Hey, Scott. What's that? Does a scab count as a project for Make Something Edmonton? Not if you're going to rip it off. But what if I rip it off and hang it on the wall? Behind a picture frame. Behind a picture frame. That makes it not gross. That accept- that's acceptable. Okay. That's art, basically. It is. And also gross. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is the worst intro we've ever done. Do you want to do a different one? No. Okay. <laughs> Should probably leave all of this in. Yeah. Okay. Coming to you almost live from the Make Something Edmonton Skunk Works Laboratory, where little scientists are running around making things. Not just scientists, though, but we'll get into that. Yes. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your... Creative? Ingenuitors? Yes. Engineers, I think, is the word you're looking for. No, I was going for something with ingenuity, and it just did not work. So we're not very so. good at this, but we've got two people in the studio with us today who are good at it. Amy Shostak and Todd Babiak, two of the members, advisors on the Make Something Edmonton Committee. Is that accurate? Yes. Accurate enough. Accurate enough. Sure. We may yeah. be joined by a third. Yes. Possibly. We, we may be joined by uh, Chris Labossier, who it would be a shame, actually, if he missed this, because he always complains about never being on the show. And then the one time he would have been on the show, he missed it. So he may storm in. But, uh, um, you know, before we get into the meat of it, you also do other things, don't you? Yes. So, Amy, what is what is your day job? Uh, my day job, believe it or not, is uh, I'm artistic director of Rapid Fire Theater, which is Edmonton's longest running improv theater. Cool. Yeah. It's the best job ever. Is it? Honestly, yes. No no two days are the same. No two days are the same at all. I get to perform all the time, make jokes, meet lots of great young people. It's great. Cool. Yeah. And Todd, you are a doer of many things as well, are you not? I am. And what are some of the things that you do? I get up early in the mornings and write novels. And then when the rest of the people wake up, then I go off and have a company called Story Engine. I'm, I'm part of that company. I, I don't have it. I'm, I share it. With others. Cool. Story Engine, that's right. Right on. And that's a communications company, right? Uh, well, it, I should have a better answer than, than this, but not really. No, it's not that. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and we'll, haven't we discussed it before with him? We did. We talked about it with you briefly so you last June. Go back to our episode in June, whatever his explanation was then, just kind of pretend that he said that again here. Yeah, great work, Todd. <laughs> I try to change the way you think about everything. And it often works. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about Make Something Edmonton, with, which launches March 21st uh, at a big event at the Avenue Theatre. So uh, before we get into it, full disclosure, I'm on the Make Something Edmonton Advisory Committee. And I am not. And I've been to two meetings. And I have not. So I know very little about it. And I know even less. <laughs> and that's why you're here. So what is Make Something Edmonton, and how did it all come about? Well, it all came about, I wrote the City of Edmonton vision for 2040 some years ago, and I thought, here we have this thing that's going to happen in 2040, and after talking to a lot of people, I was seeing they had trouble actually feeling 2040. And so I thought, maybe a vision is the denouement. Could there be an actual story of Edmonton with a past and a present 
and a near future that would be more engaging and more interesting to all of us and that would feel true. And maybe if we had that, we could solve some of our image and reputation challenges, which is a strange part of Edmonton, but it's one I think we all understand in our hearts. So I just started interviewing people and, and found, I think, uh, a story that bound all of the things they loved most about Edmonton. And then we married that story to a committee. And Amy's really my boss now. And it, <laughs> awesome. is, it is, we've arrived at Make Something Edmonton. And what is it like bossing Todd around? Um, it's, it's honestly been great. I'm the boss of people who are all older than me, which feels... <laughs> Weird, but yeah. good. But good. Um, so I'm co-chair of the mayor's task force on image and reputation. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it's my job to make sure this initiative gets started and people get inspired to take part and uh, to make projects, which is all, what it's all about. Okay, so this all comes about because the mayor and, and his, his pals, I don't want to say pals, but people that he his knows, policy. that he talks to, uh, decide that we do, in fact, have an Im image problem. And you said, Todd, that we we all sort of feel it in our hearts. But let's articulate a little bit. What is our image problem? It is that we don't know who we are, or is it something else? That's what I think it is. I think that we have a lot here that we're proud of, and everyone, when I, when I spoke to them, they always had something to say. But when, when the mayor talks to business leaders or, or arts leaders or university leaders, they do say, we can't bring people here. Even the we've heard about the Edmonton Oilers and their problems in the past. We just can't keep the people here, and that shouldn't be the case because when you come here for two years, you do stay for 18 of them, <laughs> and you become an Edmontonian and you become a, a booster for this city, even if you don't have the vocabulary for it. And so that's really what we we're trying to do more than anything is give someone an answer when they when someone asks why Edmonton, why do you live in that place, why are you still there, why did you choose to raise your children in Edmonton? And I think there is a good answer to that, and that's what we're, that's what we're getting at. And I think we've, we've certainly answered, I think, the, the core of it. And this is why it's make something Edmonton instead of Edmonton, innovative energy, or Edmonton, infinite horizons, or Edmonton, sustainably diverse, which uh, are the way most branding exercises end up. All true, by the way. All very true. We are sustainably diverse. <laughs> Actually, I mean, what isn't? Every yeah. salad bar is sustainably diverse. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a. The other night, I was at Wonder Bar, and I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about make something Edmonton, and a guy came up to me after, and he was like, "I think it's all well and good to be positive, but living in Edmonton is like doing time." And I was like, "Oh, so why do you live here then? You're you're choosing to live here." You're, he's, so was he biding his time though? He, he was suggesting, I mean, he was like, it's like being in jail. And I was like, why are you living here? And he's like, well, I have a good job that I love. And I love my family, and they all live here. It was okay. like, well, that seems like a good enough reason to me. Most people in prison would not say that those are two things that are keeping them there. True, and many people in prison wouldn't choose to be there. No, although, funny story, oh. totally tangential. <laughs> there was a guy recently who was arrested for sneaking back into the prison that he had <laughs> just gotten released from. Well, by that like logic, the New York is a prison too then. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess Paris is a prison and London is a prison. So that could have been the end of that conversation. I mean, yeah, for me, if, but I, agree, I mean, I agree. Once I started like actually asking him questions, he was like, well, yeah. I love this and I love this. But I think that we naturally have like a self-deprecating or a negative way to talk about Edmonton, you know, possibly because of the weather and we talk about it like it's, oh, it's so repressive and but really we all have yeah, reasons to be here i get the impression that there's a lot of people who've never really 
put much thought into how much they like Edmonton. Mm -hmm. They just kind of dismiss it because everyone else does. Like, oh, I live in Edmonton, whatever. But if they really sat down and went, what are the things I like about Edmonton? They'd realize, I really like this city. That's what I found. And so when I, I have a background as a journalist, and so when I was asking people about Edmonton, there was, and Amy hints at it, a surface layer of, I like the River Valley, and uh, it's sustainable and diverse and innovative. The talking points that the we all The talking points sort of that we all say, everyone says about everywhere, and you read the, the livability indexes. We've all learned the vocabulary from Richard Florida, really. What makes a good city? Whatever Richard Florida taught us to say, <laughs> plus the River Valley. So uh, we that have a nice river valley. we do. Yeah. It's a lovely yeah. river yeah. valley. Let's not dismiss the river valley, and it's the reason we're all here today. <laughs> Ultimately, the river valley is the reason we're here. But uh, getting getting past that was actually kind of easy and fun, and it was the thing that bound the artists and the the social entrepreneurs and the business people, and they always went back to their little examples. For some people, it was Bioware. For others, it was PCL and Stantec or like Chris's company, Yardstick Software. For others, it was the Fringe Festival. For, for others, it was this, the new thing, Pehonan, which is happening in the First Nations community here. And all these things are bound by, by one central theme and one central idea that because of maybe our, our history and our culture, maybe a sense of isolation for a lot of our, a lot of our history, and uh, having a flat, aristocratic, free culture as well, uh, is a great place to start something. If you have a little idea and, and three or four people around a table, like this table we're sitting around right now, we have our pints of beer, let's do that thing. It's pretty easy to get past the pints and launch the thing. And 10 years later, 25,000 people work there. Or, or it's, it's 680,000 people, like the Fringe Festival, which is going to overtake probably Capital X soon, or K-Days. Is, it, is that what it's called? K-Days? Yeah. It is That's presently K-Days. Okay. <laughs> For the moment. But so you, Amy, you alluded mm -hmm. to uh, the weather as some common thing that that maybe makes us feel negative about this place. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't buy that. I don't mm -hmm. because and I've grown up here my whole life. I love the snow. I love the winter. I, it doesn't really bother me that much. I get tired of it. But, you know, in New York, when it's oppressively hot and smells like garbage, <laughs> I imagine that people get tired of that, too. Totally. So I, I can't accept that it's the weather. No. That's the easy thing that you see that you go, oh, cold is unpleasant. I actually think that one thing that makes Edmonton so unique is the weather. I think that uh, one of the coolest things in the like in Edmonton is going to a house party on like a, a night that's like minus 40 and showing up and seeing like hundreds of shoes in the doorway. Yeah. And it's like people here commit to things. And there's frost on the window. And on there's the frost on everything. the windows on the inside. And it's like... Uh, when people set out to do things here, and I think this ties back into the spirit, is like they really give her, they really do it. It's like, yeah, it's cold. That makes us tough. And that makes us actually execute things instead of like I've spent some time in Vancouver and it's like, oh, I'm having a party tonight. Well, I might not go because there's so many parties tonight and I have so many options and it's really mild <laughs> and, and beautiful. Uh, but I really think that part of the reason I love it here is just like people commit to things and they get them done. Hmm. And so y you were saying, Todd, that this is a thing, it's about creation, that the common theme was people said they were proud of the PCLs, the Biowares, and the Yardstick Softwares. Is Edmonton really a place where you can easily get shit done and make new stuff? Well, I think it is, and that there's lots of evidence about it. But more importantly, I think it's what people feel. 
spiritually, that's what Edmonton is. And we have, a lot of, we have a lot of great examples. And when we were thinking about how to actually activate that, if it is at 6 out of 10 and turn it to make it 10 out of 10, we thought this is what our image and reputation initiative should be then. If this is true and this is what people feel, then we should make it as easy as possible for, it, for them. And then to celebrate, to curate, to bring them together and, and make this a part of that answer we have. And we like to say we'd love to have Simon Farbrother the city of Edmonton city manager on the back of his card say, what are you making? How can I help? Because I think that is sort of the spirit of the city. Sure. Um, Amy today just sent an email about something else entirely and then mentioned, oh, by the way, the rapid fire board needs some people. We're looking for these kind of people. And I know right away I started thinking of those people and how easy it would be <laughs> to have those people help Amy and, and build her fantastic theater company into an even greater one. And when you're young here and you're having a level of success, you start giving back to the community right away. In other places, you give back when you're retired and you've made your money. That's the time to give back. In Edmonton, your, your success is almost tied to your volunteerism. And that's also strange. Yeah, why do you suppose that is? What is it about this place that made us all, that made us a community of, of donors, of volunteers, of givers? Any thoughts? Because I have no clue. I know that I've... I grew up doing it because my parents did it. And it's not like they were like wealthy philanthropists. They were just, they just give money away. I don't know. Why, why do we do that? If anything, it, that might be how the weather or a, our geographic location might tie into aspects of our identity, our spirit. Because for a long time, if you can imagine before airplanes and cars and, and gas stations, this would have been a difficult place to get to. And when you were here and the weather was bad or the weather was good you sort of needed a community to help launch ideas to take them to reality so that that might be something in our heritage that that explains it a little bit it's uh it's long been said and i've, I've certainly heard it said a number of times that edmonton is a big city that feels like a small town and i think that it ties into the way people uh do give back to the community because the small town feel is everybody knows each other everybody pitches in and helps out and i think that fundamentally that's what people mean when they say that edmonton has that small town feel is that everybody kind of has a stake in the community and wants to see it get better and flourish and i mean collaboration is so easy here and it just ties back into the idea that it's a great place to make something in that like for me it's like Oh well, I, I I can't ask opera singers to come to do an improv show. They would never do that. They're they have too much respect for their art form and not enough for mine. Uh, <laughs> but they were like totally will come and totally will take this risk and do this weird thing. And you know, I I really think all you have to do here is ask. From my experience, when you ask, like we were just talking about uh, a sponsorship for Improvaganza to stay potentially at a really nice hotel, uh, which has never happened before, all I had to do was ask, and they were basically like. Oh, sure. No one ever asks. Because <laughs> you don't think to. Yeah, no. I, I think we put yeah. up barriers that we perceive to be there, you know? And, like, the mayor, for example, is a lovely gentleman. And when you meet him and you shake his hand, he's, he'll chat with you for 10 minutes. It's not, there's no barrier there uh, in terms of, you know, I guess people here are nice. And, yeah. Turns out, yeah. Turns out. So the committee gets struck. You've arrived at this idea. And I know that when at a few of the meetings we talked about it not being your typical branding exercise because we didn't want it to yield things like sustainable diversity and that sort of thing. So in what way, because it, we're still trying to brand the city a, a certain way, 
so we are doing, we are, it's not a typical, it's an atypical branding exercise, but how has it been different in your minds? I've never been part of one of these before. So well, I'm just curious what you guys I've think. never been part of one before either. But to me, the big difference is when you tell someone, oh, we're rebranding the city, there's immediately resistance. Yeah. People are immediately like, well, what about the city of champions? Or we don't need it. And I think that there's just, there's resistance to that because it's a top-down process and people don't buy into it. So no matter what, no matter what great idea would, you know, come out of a traditional branding exercise, maybe it would be a great idea, but it just wouldn't resonate with the people who live here. Right. So I think the difference here is that we're trying to get people active in their communities so that they will they will feel the spirit that we're talking about that we think already exists. So if they truly do um, you know, create a project that they're proud of, then they're gonna talk about that and they're gonna talk about the project that their neighbor did and talk about Edmonton in a positive way. So you are trying to create a groundswell of something that'll, that'll carry on. Because it's gonna be an evolutionary thing, right? Of course, and, and a mysterious thing. We're not sure how it's going to end up. But what I'm sure about is what we started this conversation with. If it goes back to that, I think we have an identity. This is what Edmonton is. How do we talk about it? How do we, I hope we all know how, at the end of a year or at the end of six months, tell a little story about this is what Edmonton is, and here are five examples that mean something to me. If we just do that, that's enough. And uh, I think branding, traditional, the traditional idea of branding, is changing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, are, those concepts are so easy to knock down. I mean, the city of Calgary went through an initiative a few years ago, uh, $1.4 million they paid to a Los Angeles branding firm to come up and do it the old way with the noun cloud and, and, and spitballing in a room where f- smart people sit and they yeah. don't really talk to a lot of people. And they came up with innovative energy, which makes a lot of sense because... Calgary wants to be innovative, and it's an energy town. And they were worried that, that certain people were thinking, oh, it's cowboys here. No, we're innovative energy. But what does that mean? I, I have no idea what that means. It's two big buzzwords. I would hope that we can go back to what we create, this little story, what Edmonton is, so we don't have to go through the process of saying no to Indy after five years of paying for it, because you, that doesn't work here. So that's why if you have a story-based approach, I think in a sense it's a little bit stronger and can guide you into the future. If someone comes to town with a monorail and says, I'm going to make you world class with my great event. All you have to do is invest $5 million a year. That works in some places. And it's glamorous and lovely and pop the champagne cork. In Edmonton, it just dies every (laughs) single time. So we, we know that when we talk about the Indy, if it had started with soapbox racers in 1973 and slowly grew, like everything else that works here, then it would be huge. We'd love the indie. It would be our baby. But that's not what the indie was. So I think hopefully we can, we can get out of this a sense of, yeah, that feels like Edmonton. That doesn't feel like Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So make something is the sort of mnemonic to remember the story we're trying to tell. Yeah, if you get it down to three words, that's what I think it is, or two sure. words. I hope, when, and honestly, it's what everyone said. If you're uh, eight blue-collar guys, in the end, what they said is, is this the best place to get her done? That's the way they talked about it. Uh, and, and others, business people, would say this is just a fantastic place to, to launch an, a new idea. Looking back, I never, thought, I never thought I could have done it. And all the help I needed and all the lost sleep I had, people were just there for me. It wasn't competitive. And if you talk to, we're in the Mercer Warehouse as we, as we speak right now, where Startup Edmonton is, has been more successful in such a short period of time than a lot of similar initiatives, certainly in mid-sized cities and even in big-sized cities, because you go up there and those, 
those companies are sort of competing, but more than that, they're mentoring each other, they're cheering each other on, they're helping each other, they're actually working for each other at the same time as they're launching. It's a, it's a marvelous little beehive of a city that way. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, my business partner, when I started Oilers Nation, told me the thing that he liked about Edmonton is it's a great place to fail because people yeah. will help to pick you back up. And, and it's also a great place to succeed because if you can make some strange concept work here, chances are the rest of the world will be ready for it. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, that's why uh, the Globe and Mail was saying last week that this is the greatest place to launch a chain restaurant. Because yeah, we're, well, we're BPs kind of, was here. Yeah, and... we're, we'll experiment. We'll give something a chance. Yeah. On the last episode of The Unknown Studio, Scott and I interviewed a delightful young woman by the name of Lindsay McNeil. And Lindsay is part of a national challenge to get a movie Funded. She's working on a film called Jillian's Just Right, a horror film it's shot, that's going to be shot right here in Edmonton. And they're trying to win a contest to earn a million dollars to fund the film through uh, something called Cinecu. So if you go to Cinecu.com, you can find out more about that. And after we spoke with Lindsay, she had a launch party the following week that officially kicked things off. And we wanted to find out exactly how Jillian's Just Right was doing on the Cinecu contest. So I spoke with Leslie Vogie, one of the, uh, one of the I guess, uh, campaign team people trying to make Jillian's Just Right propel itself to the top so they could earn that million dollars. And uh, this is what Leslie had to say about their progress so far. How did the launch party for the Jillian's Just Right trailer go? It went awesome. <laughs> yeah, what was involved that evening? What took place? So we had a lot going on that night. And I'm sure Lindsay told you about the whole social media part of it. So what we really wanted to do was have it to be a social media-infused event. So we had some big screens set up with Instagram photos being uh, run and streamed onto the screen. We had a camera crew with a, um, what's it called, not an anchor person, but... But like a host um, kind of thing? Like a host reporter just run around and get interviews with all of the, the cast that was there, the crew, with the different people that were just attending to support the launch. We had Derek, I forget his last name, who is one of the co-founders of Dead Fest, mm-hmm. Edmonton's big horror and sci-fi festival. He spoke. Cool. We had a behind-the-scenes montage and video put together by the amazing Dave Barron, and it sort of revealed the the goings on behind the scenes um, at the trailer shoot. Yeah. And then, of course, we had the actual trailer, which we screened for everyone who's there. So there's a lot going on. That's very cool. And and, um, how did everyone, what did everyone think? What was their reaction to what they saw that night in your estimation? The energy was unreal in the room. Everyone was pretty jazzed about the whole concept, about 
the film, Jillian says, right, about the idea of supporting an Edmonton film, yeah. an Edmonton film industry. People were really excited about the idea of having a $1 million budgeted film in town. So pretty good. Everyone was pretty excited. And that, that's only the, the beginning of this. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a, a campaign, but so you're trying to raise money through Cinecu, and and that involves uh, is it weekly challenges? Weekly filmmaking challenges, and we've already had our first filmmaking challenge that was released last week. Okay, it was a pitch video. So the main three producers, Lindsay, Greg, and Travis, did a why doing a film and who they are kind of video. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually up on our Cinecu site right now. People can check that out. They have a free time. So if they if they actually look up Jillian's just right dot ca, they'll they'll dot uh-huh. com. Yeah, yeah, they'll get directed to Cinecu. Okay, cool. Videos there. And and the goal is well, okay, the goal is obviously to get a million dollars to finish the film. Um but to start and finish the film, sorry. Yeah. But um it what Cinecu is is putting you guys through is really very social media based, is it not? Yes. So how are you guys shoring up support from Edmontonians to try and win the prize? Yeah. So our strategy is local right now. We really believe that there is um, a buzz and an energy that we can tap to tap into here in the city. We think that there is are a lot of engaged people in the city online. Um, in a way that I, I don't know is replicated in other in other major cities across the country. So we're really trying to engage, particularly the startup and the tech community here in town that are super social media focused. So we're hoping to appeal to them, get them involved and engaged in the film, and then hopefully that will have a ripple effect throughout the different networks in the city. And then, of course, um, assuming we make it through the first two rounds of voting, the third round will have to expand our strategy a little bit beyond Edmonton. Uh, not sure entirely how we're going to do that yet, but uh, we will need to expand quite a bit at that point. And you can you can cross that bridge when you get to it. How many other teams are you competing against? Yeah, so uh, when they first launched the competition, there were 96. Cinecu's saying 90, but anyway, so it's in the 90s. There are 90 teams across the country. Okay, cool. And have you guys, have you thought about, um, I don't know if you've heard about Make Something Edmonton, but have you thought about how this might relate to that big kickoff? Yeah, well, we were actually asked to have a table and a booth at Make Something Edmonton. So there were 10 local projects that were asked to present themselves at the big launch party next Thursday, and we were one of and then we're also going to be one of the first uh, projects they're going to profile on their website when they launch next Thursday as well. So oh, that's great. We're so excited. <laughs> yeah. Has it been Has it been very difficult to get the word out about what you guys are trying to do? Uh, has it been difficult? Well, yes and no. Because we don't have control over our metrics. We have to run everything through the Cinecu website. Oh. We don't actually know what our views are or any of our analytics are. We can we can take a guess um, and we're doing so by seeing how many tweets we get, how many retweets, how many Twitter followers, how many Facebook fans, etc. Yeah. But we certainly, but those are only sort of indicators of how well we're doing. Um, 
there's really no way to know for sure until the vote. Okay, I see. So what do you need the listeners of the Unknown Studio and the, you know, citizens of the greater Edmonton area to do to help put you guys over the top? Okay, we need you to go to JillianJustRight.com, sign up, and then tell your friends. Okay. And that's basically it. There's different, there's, it's really neat. They have interesting ways for fans, they're calling them, to Mm -hmm. engage with the program so you can actually earn more voting power. So you can just sign up and then you get one vote automatically. But if you watch 10 other trailers, like 10 other teams, they actually will give you two more votes. So then you'll have three votes altogether. So if you, if you engage yourself more with the program or the project, then you get more voting power and then you can just help us out at the end of the day by giving them all your votes. Well, there you go. That's, that's pretty, uh, it's a little bit involved to get more votes, but it's definitely worth it to support an Edmonton project. Leslie, is there anything else that you want to add that you think our listeners must know? Yeah, well, I really, really believe in the Edmonton industry, and that's the whole reason we're involved in this. You know, a million-dollar budget would mean that we would have cast and here in Edmonton who could put that on their resume, and we can attract way bigger projects to the city. It means that we can... I don't want to steal projects from Calgary or from Vancouver, but it's really attractive to know that we have a high-caliber cast and crew that's in the city, so they won't require any extra training or anything like that. Yeah, so it really really is an opportunity for us to bolster uh, the film industry here in Edmonton. Absolutely, particularly because it's a horror film, and it's already getting a really strong reputation as a home for horror, and we think that our film would help cement that um, also because Lindsay is a female, this female-directed and, and acted and written film, um, that's also pretty pretty cool as well. So it puts us on that quite a bit. Very cool. Well, I wish you and the whole team the very best of luck, and I will be uh, signing up on Cinecoup as soon as this interview is over. <laughs> Thanks so much. You can sign up for your own account to vote on your favorite films in the Cinecou contest on the Cinecou website. That's C-I-N-E-C-O-U-P dot com, Cinecou dot com. Uh, vote for uh, Lindsay's movie, please, and vote to support other filmmakers here in Canada. Maybe, you know, maybe even just in Edmonton. It's totally up to you. Do you have a business plan, but you're not sure where to go from there? Do you want to increase sales, get noticed, wow your audience, make your mom proud? We've got you covered. We are connected, we're creative, and we're innovative. We are strategy first. If you've got a great product or service and you want the whole world to take notice, call Focus Communications. Let's start a conversation. Go to focuscom.ca. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878.
And now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. The WWE Championship was introduced in 1963 with Nature Boy Buddy Rogers becoming the first champion. However, its origin is attributed to events that began in the National Wrestling Alliance, which had various territorial member promotions. In the 1950s, Capital Wrestling Corporation was a subsidiary of the NWA, and by 1963, CWC executives held a controlling stake over NWA operations. During this time, Buddy Rogers held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, the world title of the NWA and its subsidiaries until January 24th, when Lou Thez defeated Rogers for the championship. Following a dispute over the result, CWC seceded from the NWA and became the World Wide Wrestling Federation. The WWWF World Heavyweight Championship was established as having spun off of the NWA title when the recognition was awarded to Buddy Rogers following an apocryphal tournament in Rio de Janeiro, defeating Antonino Rocca in the finals. Affiliated with the NWA once again, the WWWF was renamed to World Wrestling Federation in 1979, and after conclusively ending its affiliation with the NWA in 1983, the championship became known as the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, and later simply as the WWF Championship by the late 1990s. In 1991, World Championship Wrestling, another subsidiary of the NWA, established the WCW World Heavyweight Championship to complement the NWA's world title. WCW then seceded from the NWA and grew to become a rival promotion to the WWF. Both organizations grew into mainstream prominence and were eventually involved in a television ratings war dubbed the Monday Night Wars. Nearing the end of the ratings war, WCW began a financial decline, which culminated in March of 2001 with the WWF's purchase of WCW. As a result of the purchase, the WWF acquired the video library of WCW, select talent contracts, and championships, amongst other assets. The slew of former WCW talent joining the WWF roster began The Invasion, which effectively phased out the WCW name. Following this, the WCW Championship was unified with the WWF Championship at Vengeance in 2001. At the event, Chris Jericho defeated The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the WCW Championship and the WWF Championship, respectively. Consequently, Chris Jericho was named the final WCW Champion and subsequent WWF Champion as the WWF Championship became the undisputed championship in professional wrestling. By 2002, the WWF roster had doubled in size due to an overabundance of contracted workers from the original WWF, as well as those who had come across from WCW and ECW. As a result of the increase, the WWF divided the roster through its two main television programs, Raw and SmackDown, assigning championships and appointing figureheads to each brand. This expansion became known as the Brand Extension. In May of 2002, the WWF was renamed to World Wrestling Entertainment, and the championship became known as the WWE Undisputed Championship. Following these changes, the WWE Undisputed Championship remained unaffiliated with either brand, as competitors from both brands could challenge the WWE Undisputed Champion. Following the appointment of Eric Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon as general managers of the Raw and SmackDown brands respectively, Stephanie McMahon contracted then-WWE Undisputed Champion Brock Lesnar to the SmackDown brand, leaving Raw without a title. 
On September 2nd, after disputing the brand designation of the undisputed title, Eric Bischoff announced the creation of the World Heavyweight Championship spun off from the undisputed title. Immediately afterward, the WWE Undisputed Championship became known as the WWE Championship. Yes. To thank some people who have helped us make something Edmonton. That is that is a really good way of putting it, actually. Uh, and that is, of course, our sponsors. Yes. Starting with the fabulous people at Focus Communications, Sue and Dean Human. The amazing humans. <laughs> the fantastic humans uh, who support our show. Thank you so much uh, for making it possible for us to make something Edmonton. Indeed. And we should also thank... Guru Digital Arts Company. The Hogwarts. Of, of making stuff in. Yeah, really. I mean, truly they are. They uh, encourage you to, uh, to learn and to expand your mind, but not in a like ESP way, more in a learning the digital arts way. Precisely, yeah. So if you're interested in, in learning about uh, you know, illustration, sequential art, programming, all that good stuff related to design using uh, digital tools, go to gurudigitalarts.com. Um, so let's talk about the event. Mm -hmm. What on earth is going to happen on the 21st? Wow. Uh, well, we do, don't we, wanna... do you guys know? <laughs> uh, we do know. We do know. Uh, I don't want to give away too, too much. Sure. Um, but basically, we're hoping the event will be like our first kind of big call to action. So uh, the, the tickets are already all gone. They were free, but they were snatched up in like 48 hours. And we're not talking about just a couple hundred. There were like 500 tickets. 500 tickets, wow. which is great. And there's already kind of an overwhelming momentum. Uh, moving forward with Make Something Edmonton. Um, so the event is at Avenue Theatre, and it's all sold out, but like I said, we will be webcasting it. So we're encouraging people to, if they don't have a ticket to the event, to kind of make their own launch party, uh, which would be fun. Cool. And Todd put out a great blog to, uh, last night, I guess. On the Magpie Town blog. Yeah. Um, that just is a toolkit for making your own launch party. Uh, you know, what Edmonton songs to play, what local <laughs> beers to drink, what local food to eat. Uh, so we're actually hoping people totally do that and take photos and video and, uh, you know, send it to us via Twitter. Awesome. Um, and the event itself uh, hopefully will inspire some people to uh, make their own projects. We're going to be featuring project makers and the mayor will speak and we'll talk about the story of Edmonton that we think is there. And, uh, yeah, people will be able to maybe meet some collaborators and get something started. Very cool. Is there an opportunity to to start projects there that night? Yeah, there will be, I think, 15 tables of people who are already, who've already started. So we've, we've tried to source some projects a little bit. Where if we knew people were doing something, we, don't, we didn't have any money to give them, but we could certainly say, this is what you're doing is a Make Something Edmonton project. It's exactly what we're talking about. Would you come and, and launch that night or, or come and at least try to get volunteers or support? whatever you might need. And so we, we will have about five of those on stage, and then we're going to have tables around the room. And really, it's, it's a party, 
we don't want to be on stage forever. There aren't any, t any chairs. You can't even sit down. So <laughs> there's going to be some listening and some hurrahing, I think. And then uh, it's time for people to start scheming their own projects and helping others who are already, who are already doing it. It's an opportunity to network. That, sure, and, and to, for people who are a little bit still confused by what this is, I think hopefully it will coalesce that night. Mm -hmm. They'll begin to see, oh, I see, this is, there's, there are in this room 20 anecdotes, proof that Edmonton is that. And I think that's where the power of the thing is. It's really difficult to say no if you, if you look around and smell it and see it and, and imagine it happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's great about it is that when we did look and say, okay, we need some examples or some examples of things that are starting right away, there was so many examples, of course, because it's already, we're not reinventing the wheel. There was tons of examples in the past. There's going to be many examples in the future. We're just hoping, like Todd said, to turn it up to amplify that from a 6 to a 10. Right, or 11. Or 11. Or, turn it up to 11. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, th I think that's a possibility. <laughs> Do you guys have any projects of your own in mind? Yeah. That you can't talk about right now? We can. Oh, really? We can. Yeah, sure. But sure. Tom is bursting at the same Tell us, Amy. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I'm, bursting for, I'm bursting for Amy. <laughs> oh, there you go. I have a project that I started working on. I'm in the middle of writing a grant. And uh, Creative Age Edmonton is going to um, co-present it with me. Uh, it'll be called The Slow Flash Mob. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be July 20th in Louise McKinney Park. I've already booked it. It's cool. happening. Uh, Jill Stanton's doing the artwork for the poster as we speak. Uh, so it's definitely underway, and it's going to be an intergenerational activity day uh, focused on getting Edmonton seniors out and getting um, park life in Edmonton kind of hopefully kick-started because I think parks sit empty a lot. Where the hell did you think of that idea? That sounds very cool. Um, well, I was in China last May traveling, and uh, I was just really amazed by kind of the park life there. You know, there was tons of people. There was kids. There were seniors. They were doing fan dances, singing opera, having jam circles, doing sword fighting, uh, swing dancing. And it was in every city I went to. It was common. It was, it was from dawn to dusk, so from 7 in the morning till, till it was dark. And even afterwards, there would be people with lanterns or flying kites, and it was just really part of that culture. And to me, seeing so many seniors, you know, Swing dancing or singing traditional Chinese songs uh, was really cool because to me that's just not something that's very visible in our culture is, you know, senior citizens having fun. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. It seems a rare thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, yeah, that's what my, uh, my Make Something Edmonton project is. Just that's trying to get cool. some seniors and also totally everyone is welcome. Admission is free. I've been saying admission is free if you bring a grandchild or a grandparent. <laughs> but it really is just free. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. What about you, Todd? What are you working on? Well, mine was also inspired by a trip I took uh, while well, I lived in France for a while. And one of my favorite cities is Stras Strasbourg, where the they Strasbourgeois live. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a thing. They yeah. are a thing. <laughs> And uh, when you pull it on the tram system there, when you pull into a station, they don't just say opera or place Broglie. They'll play a little bit of music and there's a little bit of a sound stamp for each one. So opera station, they'll play a little bit of opera or opera sounding keyboard music. And the same thing at place Broglie because maybe there's an Italian aspect to that. And so they'll play a little bit of Italian music. And I thought, I wonder how that would work in Edmonton. Not with someone with a, with a lazy typewriter or a, a keyboard putting it together but if we could commission songs Edmonton musicians to create songs for each of our LRT stations 
So when you pulled into Churchill Station, maybe that would be a bit of John Astacio classical music, or Central Station could be Tommy Banks because you know he used to play jazz there, and maybe the Century Park Station is the uh, the the River Cree Singers, or the uh, Colleen Brown does one, Corbelan does one. So you you imagine all of these people that have some resonance with a certain neighborhood or a certain stop yeah. doing a four-second or an eight-second little song that would announce and, and stay with that station and just feel like that station. Cool. So we're just commissioning songs from these people, and then hopefully we can get the LRT people <laughs> to actually go for it. So you're going to develop, you've developed the idea, you're going to develop some of the creative pieces and then say, what do you guys think? Well, we started by saying... Uh, to the to the LRT people, we're doing we're gonna do this. Hey, yeah. that sounds great. Hey, and then they of course said, well, we're working on some other stuff. That they were branding the lines. They said, and so the lines now have names. I guess they're done that, and I don't see how this gets in the way. It doesn't. I do, it doesn't. In fact, the names I believe will become meaningless because the lines will be have an associated color, and just like the butter dome wasn't called the butter dome, mm-hmm. Edmontonians will make up their own name name for it. So yeah. it doesn't matter. This doesn't, your thing does not interfere with their thing. No, so I, I don't I don't think it's going to get in the way. So we're going to push forward on it. And uh, this being Edmonton, I pitched it to John Mann of the Edmonton Arts Council, and he's really keen to help me. And I've talked to a few artists about it, and they're really excited. We don't know whether we'll commission them to do new things or pull stuff out of what they've already done, how that works, and how much it costs. We're but we have a budget already, and, cool. and we're 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 gonna get her done. <laughs> And I, I think uh, for the example you used off the top of the show, it's like you could put a scab in a frame, but it's all about how it affects the community. So it's... Oh, I it's, think that would have a terrible effect. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. But. So I think that, uh, you know, for me anyway, the thing that's inspiring about saying like, what is your Make Something Edmonton project is usually people already have an idea of like something they think would make Edmonton better, whether that's, you know, the LRT line or for me, like getting some people out in a park. Uh, they have something really specific in mind. So, you know, it could be as small as a community garden or as large as something that, like, affects city infrastructure. Um, but we really do want people to just, you know, think big yeah. and or see not. what's possible. Or, or not. Yeah. Or think really small. Totally. What? Don't think too big, though, otherwise you end up with marina tobacco. <laughs> True. <laughs> think big and make sure that you can fund it yourself. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. don't ask the city for money because they will hate you. I know that, I know that you know... Citizens don't really aren't totally sure what this is yet. They they know that they're excited and interested about it, but what sort of response have you guys gotten from people? Because I know, Todd, you posted on on Magpie Town about people asking whether or not they could co-opt the Make Something Edmonton name, or it was something along those lines. I don't know if you remember. I'll try and find it. But yeah, it was one. It was a time when someone said, "I want to create T-shirts, and and I hope there isn't a logo. Can I do it myself? Can I make my own version of it?" And that started a bit of a discussion on the on the website, on the blog, where people said, no, no, you need a professional designer. It has to be consistent. You have right. to create it. It said, it, the, the post is from March 11th, and it says, don't ask for permission. Oh, that one. That's the one oh, I'm talking okay, about. Okay, that one, where, yeah, where people, that's right. They thought that we were the boss. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah, it was. No, this is, this, this is a very important distinction. I'm, okay. I'm the boss of, like, Todd and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> As the only people I'm the boss of. I'm not the boss of general citizens. Sure. They can go and start whatever project they want. That's it. We, in fact, I think we had a, the nice website, the lovely website that's going to launch on Thursday, which is going to be a place for all these projects to live. We wondered if someone does something nuts, just, you know, 
the the cat litter question. Yeah. Uh, look what my cat did. I make something Edmonton project. <laughs> do we do we stop that from happening? Do we do we look at everything as it comes in and say yes to this and no to that? No, we can't. This has to be whatever people want it to be. And if anything, it's not that we can give them permission, but what we'd like to have a lasting legacy out of this is that the culture of the city promotes it too. So that if someone has a great idea, we don't we don't put barriers up at all that no one does. In fact, that we become the city where there are no barriers, where we say, how can I help? What are you making? How can I help? And I think the citizens will help, you know, weed out any projects. Because just like on, on a, you know, citizens will be able to kind of vote up and comment on projects and, you know, either volunteer or support or fund projects. Um, and so we'll be able to see, like, the projects that people are most excited about get done. Well, and you, you said something really interesting that you, we, you can't, I'm going to paraphrase you and maybe make it a little more, <clears throat> you can't be the police of this thing. No. That is where municipal rebrands fail. Someone decides they have control over this thing. The beauty of what I think you guys are doing is that you're, you've developed something that you know because you've done the research, resonates with citizens, and you're going to put it out there in a more structured way for them and then walk away from it that's and it. just see what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's really inspiring. Kind of a grassroots approach. Precisely. rebranding. Well, that's it. It's, yeah, open source. It's like you're yeah. lobbing a beach ball into, into a concert crowd. And, just, <laughs> and as soon as the beach ball leaves your hands, you don't give a shit where it goes because it's going to be interesting no matter what. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think the website can really serve uh, to help people get past those barriers, you know, if they are looking for collaborators. And I think we might even see, like, overlaps in ideas where, you know, it'll be like, oh, why don't you guys work together and make this bigger? Yeah. Uh, and so I think it'll be really great because one thing I think is true is that there's lots of things going on in communities that we just aren't all aware of. Totally. And hopefully this yeah. website will help. No, that's a big part of this. My, my brother played Bioware games for years and didn't know the Bioware is from Edmonton. Really? Yeah, and I, and I know there are people out there who are, who are really happy to paint a mural on the side of a building, but they don't know who owns that building and they don't know how to approach that person and we want to really inspire them this to be the time. So this isn't one of my projects, but I'm, I'm bringing Melkor together with, uh, with a local artist and they're working on, in fact, that maybe the words make something that she's designing in a way to put on the side of a gray building. Cool. Yeah. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Scott, what are you making? Right now? <laughs> Not at this <laughs> moment, but do you have, has this stirred anything in you to create something? I have projects on the go. Are they all super secret? secret. <laughs> I can't really say much about them. We, we talk a lot about uh, a few dramatic podcasting projects. It would be like radio dramas mm, that we can't talk fantastic. about. Fantastic. That sounds great. Um, actually, your whole idea about Make Something Edmonton is what, uh, inspired me to launch the Yeggies when I did it. Awesome. Because I was just like, oh, well, I guess I better shit or get off the pot or Todd's going to be all like, <laughs> what are you doing, Rosenart? <laughs> no, the Yeggies is a perfect example. And, and I, the thing about projects, which is an imperfect word, mm -hmm. is it doesn't seem to take in initiatives like that. But it certainly is. That is a project. So, Or uh, I know that NextGen is going to be starting something soon called Ideas for Yegg. And they're, they want to have a, you know, the meat thing they do where you come in and you pitch an idea and someone that night gets $1,100 because everyone puts $10 into the, the pot. Yeah. They're doing a bigger version of it with $10,000. So ideas for Yeg and mentor someone to, to success with, with a project. And that doesn't sound like a Make Something Empton project. It sounds like uh, an initiative, but it is. It's just another one. And, and hopefully our, our site and our initiative allows mm -hmm. people to find out about it 
because frankly, we used to have a newspaper that, that did that. And I'm, Edmonton is not unique. The, the whole idea of that public central square that our city newspapers used to be is just gone now. Mm-hmm. There isn't that central clearinghouse for what are the neat people doing in my town? Um, you've talked a little bit about it, about the website and what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like there might be some sort of Kickstarter kind of element to it. Well, uh, there will be a crowdfunding option, but it'll be hosted through Indiegogo or whatever people want to okay. host it through. But all of Edmonton's projects hopefully will be featured in this place. That's it. It's, yeah. it's up, again, it's up to you. Okay. So uh, if, if you're doing the Yeggies and I admire the Yeggies and you need $5,000, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to encourage you to do it so that everyone can see the Yeggies and can be part of it. We, mm-hmm. we really did struggle with that because there are versions of, of crowdfunding that we could have set up just for us, but we decided Indiegogo is pretty good at that. Maybe we'll let, let them do that. We'll give them the tools to use Indiegogo. And yeah, so the website, uh, there, you'll be able to upload your profile cool. um, and then your project. And there will also be kind of hub organizations. So like NextGen might have a, you know, a page. Mm-hmm. Um, so that even if you don't have a project or, or even if, you know, uh, an organization isn't necessarily uh, connected with something, they can get connected to things. Cool. Uh, it'll be really neat, I think, because it'll show kind of your network of, you know, me and Adam are collaborating on a project. And I'm also collaborating on, on a project with Creative Age. Um, and people can see that. Yeah, I, I can visualize the possibilities. Because mm-hmm. then, I mean, then you've got the, I know that Amy knows Todd. And I know that I want to do something that Todd should be involved in. So Amy introduced me to Todd. Like, this sounds really exciting. I'm yeah, very excited. It's pretty gluey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we are at that time of the show. Are we? Yes, Already? we are. It seems like we shouldn't be. But we are. Would you like to introduce the favorite part of my show? Of Sorry, my favorite part of the show. Would you like to introduce my favorite part of the show? I was going to let you dig yourself out of that hole for a moment. My But show. it is time. Mine. <laughs> it's time for the Fast 15. That's right. And actually, because we've got two of you uh, here today, we'll do the Fast 16. Um, if you've never been on the show before, and you haven't, though you have, but it was a different thing. Uh, the Fast 15 is a segment we do at the end of the show. This would be an appropriate time for Chris to walk. Yeah. Oh, how awkward. Um, <laughs> where we ask the same, uh, in this case, 12 questions of all of our guests, and then add two wildcard questions for each of you at the end. So they're really simple questions. I've even duplicated one of them because I'm curious to know what both of your answers are. And we'll alternate. So we'll start with Todd, we'll go to Amy, and then we'll do the rapid fire thing. See what I did there? I love it. Here we go. The Fast 16 with Todd Babiak and Amy Shawstack. Todd, number one, your favorite food? Hamburgers. Amy, your favorite color? Blue. Todd, Mac, PC, or Linux? Mac. Amy, dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, Todd, coffee or tea? Coffee. Amy, your favorite holiday? Ooh, Christmas. Yay. (laughs) Todd, your favorite sport? Ultimate Frisbee. Amy, your favorite pastime? Napping. Todd, your... <laughs> she was ready with that. That was decisive. Uh, Todd, your favorite music right now? Bach. Amy, your favorite movie right now? Oh, boy. I watched 1994's Little Women starring Winona Ryder last night. Oh, my gosh. It's lovely. <laughs> uh, Todd, your favorite video game? 
Gallagher. Ooh, old school. Very well done. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Amy, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, invisibility. Really? You don't want to be seen? Oh, just be so convenient sometimes. <laughs> Sneaking in and out of places. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, our wild card questions. Todd, who is, aside from yourself, your favorite local author? Thomas Trofimuk. Ooh, I, I don't think I've ever read or heard of him. Uh, he has a book called Waiting for Columbus. It's quite beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great book. I, I, I have, there's so many local authors I like. It was a really difficult question. You actually look like you were very sternly deep uh, yeah, in Yeah, I thought. can give you 10 right now. This is a great town for writers. Cool. Right on. Amy, what is your favorite improv game, whether it exists or not? If you okay. want to invent one on the fly, go for it. Okay. Um, well, everyone always hates playing it because it's really old school. And actually, everyone resists it and really doesn't want to. But sometimes when I'm captaining a team, I make them play Sit, Stand, Lie, which is a classic <laughs> uh, where you have to, every time someone stands up, someone, at each time, everyone has to be standing, sitting, or lying down. Okay. And you have to justify it. Uh, so, as you can imagine, it's pretty wacky. That's why everyone resists and it. And chaotic. And chaotic. Because usually someone will lie down and someone's already lying down and doesn't see it and then realizes they have to stand up. Exactly. And hilarious ensues. I, I really railed against it for years. Like I thought it was the stupidest thing in the entire world. But then I came back around on it and now I just kind of torture people with it. Right on. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. She derives pleasure from the game seeing other people suffer through it. Yeah. Is what she's saying. I hear that. She's making misery. Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now, uh, the last two questions, the same for both of you. Outside of all the stuff we've talked about today, what is it that keeps you here in the city? I don't know if you ever had that time in your life where you thought, fuck this place, I'm going to leave. I feel like nearly everyone does. Mm -hmm. What is it that's kept you here? I had a really great conversation, uh, I think it was three years ago, and I was at the Canadian Comedy Awards in Toronto. And I had stayed up all night drinking, and I was in a hot tub uh, with my friend Pat Kelly. And he was talking to me. I was saying, I think I should move to Toronto because I, that's what everyone does. I don't really know what else to do. And he had just, uh, he was in Toronto, and then he was living in L.A., and he had just moved back to Vancouver, which in terms of a career move was not a good one, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. um, but he gave me this speech that really stuck with me, which was, if you are good enough at what you do, you can choose quality of life over worrying about your career. You don't have to choose either, because that's what people always say. You, you choose you know, where you want to live or what you want to do. But he was really like, if you're good enough about it and passionate about it, you'll be able to travel a few months a year, and you'll be able to still live in the place you love and do the things you love. And so that really stuck with me. And cool. I think about that a lot because I, since that moment, I've been much more passionate about living here and getting involved. So Right yeah. on. Great yeah. answer. Oh, thanks. Todd, what, what keeps you here? What's kept you here? I think it's important, and we've been thinking about it a lot with Make Something Edmonton, but to be honest about what the city really is. And one of the things I like about the city is, for some people, something they might not like. But we were talking about this today, Amy and I, with a group of people. You can't wear, for a man, you can't wear a tuxedo five days a week here without being a loon. This isn't a city for everyone. But there's something about Edmonton people. The kinds of people who either choose to live here or choose to stay here that binds me to them. I like Edmonton people. And I go to other places, and I've lived in lots of other cities. And... Maybe there's a layer of artificiality about other places that I haven't 
really liked. Mm -hmm. But there is something about Edmonton, and it's it's baked into our self-deprecation, that really pleases me. Edmonton people are funny, and Edmonton people are warm, and they'll always ask you if you need some help. And I, I do think now, especially now, I can, like Amy, make anything I want here, seek a market outside of this city, and, and be very comfortable, very happy, and pleased as I'm falling asleep at night that I live here. Cool. That was Adam, a really good answer. What keeps me here? What keeps you in it? Good Lord. I, didn't, I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer this question. <laughs> it's hard to articulate, but I mean, for me, I've got a really excellent group of friends that are all committed to making something of themselves in this place. And not only that, but improving the city. Uh, and I don't, I feel like in a place like this, a guy like me can have a much bigger impact than I could in a large city like a Toronto or a Montreal or Vancouver. I, I really do feel like I, I am in control of, of, you know, making this place pleasant for others and more interesting for others. And I don't think I'd get that somewhere else. And I don't mind the weather. I, I, I love where I live. Yeah. The city has some, some warts that need to be dealt with, but someone else is going to focus on that and I'm going to do my thing. So I think that's what keeps me here. And warts are natural. Yes, they are. They happen. That's a a great answer. And it's one we heard lots too. So that's kind of the secret. Edmonton is the make something Edmonton project. (laughs) What about you? What, uh, why are you here? What keeps you here? Excitement. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, Doing this show and working in the media, I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people who are really excited about being in Edmonton for all of the reasons you guys have explained. And because of all of the stuff that they want to do and all the stuff that they want to give to the community and all the stuff they want to see built up in the community. And it's infectious. And I'm at a point now where I'm really excited to see all this stuff come to fruition. And I'm really excited to see where Edmonton goes in the next 10, 20 50 years, I intend to live here forever. And I mean literally forever. So a thousand years from now, I will be looking from my computer throne out upon the city and I will be going, hmm, I remember when it wasn't this way. Yeah. And it will be wonderful. So one of the Make Something Edmonton projects for Scott will be the design of a computer throne. Which I can live in forever, yes. <laughs> With bacon. Well, obviously. I, that went without saying. Sorry. Good answers, everyone. Uh, Amy, Todd, it was an absolute pleasure to have you guys on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. And Chris, oh, awkward. wait a minute. We'll have him on the show. Eventually. We have to have him on the show now. He was so excited. I know yeah. he was. Well, splendid. Thank you for having us. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're both uh, big winners. <laughs> <laughs> that was slightly condescending. <laughs> it's only the best way. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Slow clap. That can, you can fade out the slow clap. That's perfect. Pretty much what's going to happen. <laughs> You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 84. Our guests, Todd Babiak and Amy Shostak. Reproduction by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
So have you guys done a lot of uh, media? Yes. Yeah? It's been pretty nonstop. We've done a lot of media. Yeah. We've been pretty (laughs) professional today. Uh, No, we did uh, three TV interviews in studio. And then... Like live or live to tape? Uh, One live to tape. One live to tape. Cool. And then, yeah, two live. Cool. And then... um, no, this is the only one that matters. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Came here, I was just gonna say. Well, Chris, Chris said he wanted to do this because he wanted to say shit. 